This is a conspiracy channel. Tape 1. Welcome to the Hush Channel. Today we will be discussing the American clairvoyant Edgar Casey, who was dubbed the sleeping prophet for his ability to tap into his sixth sense by way of entering an unconscious state where he would lay down on a couch, close his eyes, fold his hands over his stomach, and enter a trance and channel a source or entity that answered questions and gave information on holistic cures, reincarnation, past lives, the afterlife, future events, auras, astrology, and even pseudo-historical information such as that given on the different now lost ancient advanced civilizations, as well as information pertaining to the human race's truth, all of which sprouted controversy. However, because of all of this, Edgar Cayce is considered the father of the modern day New Age movement. His abilities were both tested and verified in real time by a variety of researchers throughout his lifetime as a man of the 19th and 20th centuries. While Casey certainly did not invent the different aspects of New Age spirituality, as they actually predate him and likely existed as the original beliefs of mankind, he is, however, responsible for shedding light on them in modern history, and especially to those who have since been removed from their ancestral beliefs and knowledge. Here is just a short summary of Edgar Casey's background, and then we can get into the Stranger Things. Approximately 100 miles north of Knoxville, Tennessee, Casey was born on March 18, 1877 in Beverly, Kentucky, just over a decade after the Civil War. He was one of six children born to farmers, Carrie and Leslie Casey. As a child, Casey saw the ghost of his deceased grandfather, which he was confident was a ghost because of the transparency. He not only saw spirits, but he also played with them. Edgar was able to see auras at a very young age, hear the voices of deceased family members, and speak to angels, but he struggled over whether his prophetic gifts were coming from a higher source, a good source. Casey's grandfather in his day was called a water witch. He would walk around with a forked hazel twig in his hand and tell farmers where to dig their wells, and they would always find water there. As for Edgar Casey's own father, Leslie, Leslie had a snake issue. Serpents would always follow him around and even follow him home from the fields. If he laid his hat down in the field, serpents would even wrap themselves around the brim of it. Leslie hated snakes, but they apparently had an affinity for him. So much so that it actually drove Leslie to quitting the generational family business of farming altogether and move his family into town. Their family's surname was originally Quachi, which was said to be of Norman French descent Despite Casey himself stating that their family records did not go back to the country from which they originate, but ends at a direct ancestor named Shadrick Casey who lived in Powhatan County, Virginia, which listeners might recognize as the name of the indigenous tribe of Powhatan from which Pocahontas was born into. Shadrick Casey and his sons had fought in the Revolutionary War and thus received land grants in Tennessee and Kentucky from the government. That is how the Casey family ended up in Kentucky where they originally owned 15 miles of land. However, due to his great-grandfather having four sons and his grandfather having seven sons, by the time Casey was born, there was not a great deal of land left for his generation. The Bible captivated a young Edgar Casey so deeply that he decided to read it over 12 times within two years and then vowed to continue to read it in its entirety every year that followed and to also attend church and Sunday school routinely which was something that Casey held himself to throughout the entirety of his life. In May of 1889, a 12-year-old Casey would be reading his Bible in his hut in the woods when he would have an encounter with a woman with wings who asked him what he wanted most of all, to which Casey replied that he wanted to help others, but especially sick children. 
He wanted to be like a missionary, to which the woman with wings told him that his prayers had been answered. The next night, after receiving a complaint about Casey's classroom performance, Casey's father struck him, knocking him out of a chair while testing his spelling skills. The truth was, Casey had difficulty focusing in school. Upon impact, Edgar suddenly heard the voice of the woman with wings who told him that if he went to sleep, they could help him. So that is exactly what Edgar Casey did. He put his head on his spelling book and dozed off. Miraculously, when Leslie came into the room and woke a young Edgar Casey up, Edgar by miracle knew all of the answers to his father's spelling test to the point of being able to repeat anything in the study book. It was such a transformation that his father believed that Edgar had been fooling him previously and pretending. So his father got upset again and once again knocked Edgar out of his chair. However, Edgar would go on to study all his school books that same way by sleeping on them. And by 1892, Edgar Casey had become the best student in his class. Leslie, his father, was now a proud dad and spreading the word around town about his son's brilliance. During the school's ball game, Casey would be struck in his tailbone, causing him to behave very strangely. The solution? Casey would go to sleep one night and miraculously be diagnosed with instructions to a cure, which his family would prepare according to his instructions. And this cure worked perfectly and cured Edgar Casey. Unfortunately, Casey would stop school in ninth grade as his family could not financially afford to further educate him. During those times, ninth grade educations and above were typically for the wealthy, while eighth grade was more than good enough for those of the working class, of which the Casey family fell into. It was 1901 when yet again, Casey ran into another health problem, a severe case of laryngitis that resulted in a complete loss of speech. This caused Casey to be unable to work and have to move back home with his parents for a year where he would take up the trade of photography because it allowed him to not have to talk. Casey would go to several hypnotists before he met Al Lane who would hypnotize Casey and while under hypnosis, a being that Casey dubbed the entity would tell Al Lane how to heal Edgar Casey. Lane described Casey's method as a self-imposed hypnotic trance which induces clairvoyance. And this method cured Casey, even though the laryngitis would come back from time to time throughout Casey's life, Al Lane would also be right there to get Casey through these crises. In fact, it was actually Al Lane who suggested to Casey that he offer his psychic diagnostic services to the public, to which Casey was conflicted on because as a Christian man, he had absolutely no idea the intentions nor the source of this entity. Was it pure? Was it evil? And not only that, but Casey had zero recollection as to what he was saying and prescribing while in trance. There was also a common belief at the time that subjects of hypnosis eventually went insane or that their health would eventually suffer. But Casey wanted to help people, so he persevered under the conditions that his readings be free, and if they ever hurt anybody, he would never do another. Thus, Casey began his quest of self-induced hypnosis. This was just the beginning of Edgar Casey, and as years passed, Casey fulfilled his calling to help others, just as he had helped himself, and word spread rather rapidly. When newspaper articles began appearing about Casey's work as a psychic, many people around the country wrote to him to request readings. Casey said he could be just as effective working with a letter from an individual as with the individual present in the room with him. A number of famous people were actually his clients, such as Woodrow Wilson, Thomas Edison, Irving Berlin, and George Gershwin. 
Casey attributed his diagnostic abilities to what he called the entity or the soul or source, which he claimed possessed a knowledge of the physical and mental conditions of each individual person. Until September of 1923, his readings were not systematically recorded nor preserved. However, an article published in the Birmingham Post-Herald on October 10th of 1922 quotes Casey as saying that he had given 8,056 readings as of that date, and it is known that he gave approximately 13 to 14,000 readings after that date. A total of 14,306 are available at the ARE Casey headquarters in Virginia Beach and on an online member-only section along with background information, correspondence, and follow-up documentation. Other abilities that have been attributed to Casey include astral projection, prophesying, mediumship, viewing the Akashic Records or what's called the Book of Life or the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, and he could also see auras. Casey said he became interested in learning more about these subjects after he was informed about the content of his own readings, which he reported that he never actually heard or remembered his readings upon awakening. Edgar Casey himself was even reported as saying that he was the dumbest man in Christian County when he was awake. On October 9th of 1910, the New York Times even published an article headlined, Illiterate Man Becomes a Doctor When Hypnotized. Strange Power by Edgar Casey Puzzles Physicians. You may have actually heard of Casey's more famous prophecies such as that of the stock market crashing in the 1920s or his prediction of World War II, but I joined Edgar Casey's Association of Research and Enlightenment, the ARE, to read through some of his readings for myself. While I will not be covering 14,306 readings, I will be covering quite a few things that caught my attention that I think you will find quite remarkable. The origin of the races. Scientific racism debunked. The appearance of man, of his consciousness in this world, was in five different places, as the five different races, at the same time. The white race appeared in the Carpathian Basin, the yellow in Tibet, the red in Atlantis, the brown in Lemuria, the black in Africa. The difference in color represented an adherence to laws already set in motion for the Earth. The world of the earth was to be cognized by five senses, five methods of awareness. Thus the earth had to be experienced, and perfection had to be reached, in these five methods of awareness. The races represent these five. These subjects brought controversy to the people of the early 20th century, especially when this higher conscious entity discredited scientific racism and the theory of polygenism, which is the theory that the human races come from different sources. According to the entity, the five human races, white, black, red, brown, and yellow, had been created separately yet simultaneously on different parts of the earth. Casey was also asked to describe the earth's surface at the period of the appearance of the five projections of the five races, to which the entity answered the following. This has been given, in the first or that known as the beginning, or in the Caucasian and Carpathian, or the Garden of Eden, in that land which now lies much in the desert, yet much in mountain and much in rolling lands there. The extreme northern portions were then the southern portions, or the polar regions were then turned to where they occupied more of the tropical and semi-tropical regions, hence it would be hard to discern or disseminate the change. The Nile entered into the Atlantic Ocean. What is now the Sahara was an inhabited land and very fertile. 
what is now the central portion of the United States, or the Mississippi Basin, was then all in the ocean, only the plateau was existent, or the regions that are now portions of Nevada, Utah, and Arizona formed the greater part of what we know as the United States. That land along the Atlantic seaboard formed the outer portion then, or the lowlands of Atlantis. The Andean, or the Pacific coast of South America, occupied then the extreme western portion of Lemuria. The Urals, and the northern regions of Sein, were turned into a tropical land. The desert in the Mongolian land, was then the fertile portion. This may enable you to form some concept of the states of the Earth's representations at that time. The oceans were then turned about, they no longer bear their names. Just to point out a few things. The four corners are where the states Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and Colorado meet. It is in these four corners where it is a literal thing for the weirdest phenomena to occur, such as sightings of skinwalkers, aliens, and UFOs. There's also Area 51 in Nevada along with the indigenous tales of underground cities. Not to mention the indigenous tales of them seeing that they never crossed the Land Bridge and instead were protected by a race of the Anunnaki called the Ant People who took them underground during the Great Reset of the Earth. These Ant People also prophesied future events that has since came true. These are the people who were forced off their sacred lands by colonizers and this territory houses the Hopi people, who are the oldest indigenous group in North America. Alongside the fact that these people have a long history of interacting with spiritual beings, which people are just now realizing are indeed extraterrestrial. They believe that their people originated from underground, below the surface, what we today would call hollow earth. Perhaps their ancestral homeland that was once atop the surface became a part of hollow earth after the great reset of earth when the geography and the axis of earth dramatically shifted and now their homeland is under the surface. I felt the need to point this out due to the entity mentioning that earth's prior landscape involved the greater part of the United States being Nevada, Utah, and Arizona which formed a plateau, meaning it was surrounded by water on three sides. Now where the earth meets the water in ancient times is often areas where the gods or what we call in modern day the Anunnaki or aliens dwelled. The Dogon of Mali in West Africa said that the lizard people came down on fiery chariots and that they could dwell on land but they also required a watery environment to live. These are the same lizard people that taught the Dogon astrology centuries ago that modern science is just now find out about constellations that are not remotely visible to the human eye and located light years away and even in modern day most ufos become unidentified submerged objects or usos which go into the depths of bodies of water and it also works in reverse usos become ufos the bible states that god divided the waters from the waters this means that outer space is water and we already know that 70 percent of earth is water. Considering all things, the Anunnaki never actually left, but simply stopped openly into our knowledge walking amongst humans. There are definitely more of these entities on earth, well, under it, in its waters and honeycomb hollows, than there is of the entire human population. Not only that, but when religion says that God opened the floodgates of heaven from the Egyptian walls, we learn that the different gates operated by the gods are literal mechanisms for the Anunnaki to control the weather and certain natural phenomena on earth, above earth, and underneath earth. For God to have opened the floodgates 
means that since outer space is water, there is a mechanism that seals outer space's waters from seeping into the dome that we live in. These are literal floodgates, not metaphoric as people tend to think of them as. These floodgates were thus open when God decided to punish mankind via flood. Another thing is the mention of how the Atlantic seaboard was the lower lands of Atlantis. I will get further into this later, but for now I will say this. The Atlantic seaboard is the east coast of the United States. I do recall that when those declassified videos of UFOs were released during 2020, there was a video that took place off the eastern seaboard of the Florida coast. The pilot from the video also noted that seeing UFOs in that area was not at all uncommon to him or his comrades. And also the way that Casey describes the state of the earth at the arrival or creation of mankind sounds a lot like the earth's axis was reversed, possibly in a way that resembles the south-oriented world map, where the map that we are given is actually upside down. For example, Antarctica, which we know is at the southernmost part of the world, and this south-oriented map it's at the top of the world and everything else on the map follows suit which is better explained in this TikTok by Sujin Shin. This is further expanded on in reading 364-13 when the entity says that these five projections appear simultaneously in five places on the earth. The surface was much different from its present appearance. The axis of the earth has changed since that time. What are now polar regions were then tropical. The extinct continents of Atlantis lying in that area between the present Gulf of Mexico and the Mediterranean Sea, and Lemuria lying in the South Pacific were the largest land areas. And what is now in Europe, the region of the Carpathian Mountains, was above water, as was the upper part of Africa, which was Egypt and Sudan. In Asia, the region of what is now the Gobi Desert was fertile plain, as were the desert plains of what is now the southwestern part of the United States. The eastern seaboard of the United States was the then coastal region of Atlantis, while the Andean region of South America was the coastal region of Lemuria. The white race appeared in the region of the Carpathian Mountains, the black race in the upper African region. Another thing is the mention of how the Atlantic seaboard was the lower lands of Atlantis. I will get further into this later, but for now I will say this. The Atlantic seaboard is the east coast of the United States. I do recall that when those declassified videos of UFOs were released during 2020, there was a video that took place off the eastern seaboard of the Florida coast. The pilot from the video also noted that seeing UFOs in that area was not at all uncommon to him or his comrades. And also the way that Casey describes the state of the earth at the arrival or creation of mankind sounds a lot like the earth's axis was reversed possibly in a way that resembles the south-oriented world map, where the map that we are given is actually upside down. For example, Antarctica, which we know is at the southernmost part of the world, and this south-oriented map, it's at the top of the world, and everything else on the map follows suit. And if you really look at the pyramids in Africa, the pyramids, the development of pyramids actually came from the south, the pyramids were lower and lower and, and they were perfecting them as they moved what people consider is the north, right? Mm -hmm. So in actuality, the, the information as it pertains to the pyramids actually came from South Africa. And they developed them more as it went so-called north, but that was actually down. This is further expanded on and reading 364-13. 
these five projections appeared simultaneously in five places on the Earth. The surface was much different from its present appearance. The axis of the Earth has changed since that time. What are now polar regions were then tropical. The extinct continents of Atlantis, lying in the area between the present Gulf of Mexico and the Mediterranean Sea, and Lemuria, lying in the South Pacific, were the largest land areas. In what is now Europe, the region of the Carpathian Mountains was above water, as was the upper part of Africa, Egypt and Sudan. In Asia, the region of what is now the Gobi Desert was fertile plain, as were the desert plains of what is now the southwestern part of the United States. The eastern seaboard of the United States was the then the coastal region of Atlantis, while the Andean region of South America was the coastal region of Lemuria. The white race appeared in the region of the Carpathian Mountains, the black race in the upper African region. End of tape 1